What's up? What's up, everybody? Welcome we to go. our Valentine's episode of the Overview, and joining our bromance that we have here, I'm Chan Man V, and joined today by, of course, Fishsticks, are my co-hosts, as well as Jason Kaplan, both both casters for Overwatch. If you guys didn't know them, and joining us today as a guest is another caster that we have in Overwatch, another big caster we have, Mr. ZP. How are you doing today, man? Uh, I'm doing great. I just want to say for the record, I really only came on here because Jason promised that we go do Valentine's Day things yeah. after the broadcast. So that's really <laughs> my reason why I'm here. But uh, no, it's great to be here. Uh, I'm trying to think, is it the first time I've been on here? Second time? Something Second like time. That. I haven't Second been on time. here all that often. Yeah. But, it's the uh, first time we've both been on the show at the yeah, same yeah, time. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Fish Sticks wasn't here last that's time. That's for sure. <laughs> that's what's throwing me off here because I'm just like, I don't remember being on here then, but that would explain it. <laughs> you just ruined it, ZP. I told you, if you talk about that bromance on the show... <laughs> It's not going to happen, and there won't be any cuddles, so. No. Uh, no it's unfortunate. It's true. Know. I was warned. I mean, ZP wasn't looking for the cuddles, so. Oh, no. wow. not, not the least. Quickies here, man. Only, quickies only on, on the overview. Uh, Even his quickies man. are long. You know what? Uh, you know what needs to be quick? This intro, because <laughs> we, right. we literally have the most stacked show. We do. In terms of the script. We you know, do. We just kept, things kept piling in this week. We just kept adding more and more and more to the script. Tons and tons of news coming your way uh, this week, including uh, we brought ZP onto the show because he's going to be commentating a brand new tournament, which was just announced last week. So we want to talk to him a little bit about that as well. But of course, just a massive slew of team news, new sponsors, players swapping around, new locations, new tournaments, all kinds of stuff. Reddit. <laughs> Reddit, another Reddit, big Reddit stuff. Yeah, of yeah. course. Uh, so yeah, I mean, why don't we get things started with? Uh, I, I guess our just real quick, our week in Overwatch. Um, you know, the end of the the year of the Rooster event, or it, it just ended yesterday, actually. So all the folks no. that missed out it's on still the going. skin, is it still going? It was yeah, supposed to I end. literally just played a couple hours ago. Oh. I thought it was supposed to end uh, yesterday as well, but it didn't. Jason is literally opening oh. the loot boxes as we speak. Fireworks are going sw- off in his Overwatch club. Oh. Okay, I, I spent ten thousand we were... currency because I didn't get the Reinhardt Zenyatta skin, and the next day I opened up the Zenyatta skin. Oh my god, dude! Well, you got it, so that's good. I mean, yeah, I got everything but the Roadhog skin. I literally bought forty, so I bought twenty-four because, and I was only expecting to buy. Uh, I was, I was only wanting to buy twenty-four loot boxes, and I literally got nothing in the twenty-four loot box. I got a, a regular reinhardt uh legend not not one of the year of the roosters so i was like oh crap i got okay i'll buy another one and then i bought another one i got like four <laughs> i got four of the ones i wanted too so that was pretty awesome they must have known i've held off a bit in terms of skins for this particular event but i do remember for the winter event i bought one uh, 50 pack of loot boxes and got every legendary that you could get in that 50 so i'm just saying wow. i'm just like i'm actually very happy with this uh, i'm just gonna hold on to this like i hate you I hate <laughs> you know i actually completely forgot that yesterday was supposed to be the last day i've only been playing on my alt recently so i might log into my account right now and buy some i thought it was boxes. over but maybe i was wrong <laughs> it was supposed <laughs> to be over but it, about yeah. to find so, out okay okay well it literally it, just ended what Ben is saying is that fish sticks could be smurfing in a game. Near you. <laughs> Maybe I streamed Maybe. on my smurf, so people know. People know. Sorry, I don't That's have true. a smurf that low. Hey. Oh, it's not really a smurf after everybody knows what it is. Nah, it smurfs like 4K, so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Ben, it sounds like you have like some kind of announcement that you wanted to make. Yeah, uh, I already announced it on Twitter, but uh, there wasn't a whole lot of fanfare. Uh, out of just personally. I'm casting another tournament. It's this weekend. 
it's the i actually we, yes. we should have actually had a whole talking point about this because i think it's pretty cool i think it's pretty neat at least uh and this is, is of course it? the tespa championship series mm-hmm. uh the yep. collegiate overwatch finals is taking place this weekend in san diego california i'm going to be casting alongside jamerson uh, Samus and of course Pix- Piscatore, the guys that have been casting the Tespa stuff up until this point. So I'm heading down to San Diego to cover this. Um, it's UC, UC Berkeley, uh, University of Texas, uh, University of Toronto, and Rutgers uh, are the top four teams uh, fighting for $100,000 in prizing and scholarships. So it's actually going to be pretty cool. And I'm casting something again. Woo! <laughs> It's been shout months, out, man. It's been months. Shout out to Berkeley for being that active in the general Blizzard uh, collegiate scene. I mean, you go mm-hmm. back to Heroes of the Dorm where they cost me $10,000 because they ruined my fantasy bracket in uh, the original Heroes of the Dorm. But they've been very, very active. $10,000? That was the prize for winning the oh, Heroes of the Dorm yeah, yeah. Uh, fantasy bracket. Like, oh, wow. Wow. I had I was one of the top brackets there, and I had ASU winning it 3-2, to two, and they threw... And it was Berkeley that won three to two. So I had even the tiebreaker. So just still a little bit salty of that years <laughs> after the fact. But it's really good to see Berkeley uh, still very much in it and uh, supported across multiple games. Dude, well, I'm, I'm a Berkeley native. I'm from Berkeley originally. So I'm going to have absolutely no bias whatsoever casting, um, clearly. Yeah, that's small. Well, <laughs> well, just avoid the riots over there, man. Just, you know, just think. <laughs> but college overwatch i haven't been really following it as much i i typically do so uh, i'll be excited to actually get a chance to to check out the finals and, and see how it, how it goes the storyline well, of college is great you know like it's always been a very accessible you know um f- just feel i guess it, just a sector of each of the esports and um, you know just having the prize pool actually being scholarships and paying for tuition i mean the, all of that storyline works super well and it worked really well for heroes of the dorm uh in particular that one that you're talking about um zp that the first season i think it was uh so i'm i hope that overwatch has that kind of impact in the college scene too well, I was going to say, you would be very much excused for not knowing as much about the collegiate Overwatch stuff that's been going on because it's been very hard to find information about it. I remember just uh, after New Year's and in January, I was kind of looking around going, all right, no, this was going on. I don't think there's a finals. When are When is the finals going on? And I was looking and I couldn't find any information in early January. So it's actually been an event that's been harder to really get yeah. concrete details on. Now, I suspect that it's probably more of a dry run for figuring out how to run maybe a Heroes of the Dorm level event for Overwatch. Uh, and that's maybe why it hasn't gotten the level of promotion that other events have had. But it's definitely been a harder event to follow, I would say, relative to other events in the scene. I think it's just as hard as the uh, Oceanic tournament that's supposed to be going on that league where they like didn't even announce the teams <laughs> even the day before the whole yeah. thing was supposed to start. So, yeah, definitely agree. Well, I think they have to start off, for one, finding a you know byline, a title that's as good as Heroes of the Dorm, because that would that fit so <laughs> well. Finding something for Overwatch would, would be a, a little bit more of a challenge. But that's cool, Ben. It's going to be great to see you t- casting for sure. And um, I mean, I think this is the I'm first of maybe it. a couple of things you're going to be casting. So that th- this is going to be good. Hopefully. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking right. forward to muting the stream. <laughs> oh, God, what a dick. <laughs> I'm kidding, Ben. You know uh, I'm kidding. Okay, let's jump into news, guys, because since we have a ton of player, team, league <laughs> news, uh, starting things off with ID- IDDQD, who was actually on the show probably like a month ago. Uh, finally joining the team and he joins nrg which is obviously a a very popular team uh so initial thoughts on this 
Jason, start with you. All right. So my initial thought was uh, cool, awesome. Uh, him and, and Siegel working together as DPS, mm-hmm. but I immediately fell back to the whole reason he's been kicked off Fnatic and Rogue before that. But what really stood out to me is the fact that they actually said as an organization that he gets along really well with the current roster. And that's actually a really good sign to find him more of a permanent home and gives me a lot of hopes for energy. I will I will say, though, how much stock can you take in that statement where they're just saying, hey, we're adding this player to our team. Of course, he gets along well. They're not going to say, oh, we add this player to our team, but we have concerns <laughs> yeah. over whether or not he's going to do well. We're not really sure. We want to have a quick hook in case it doesn't work out well. No, I mean, they're going to say it's working out well maybe it is but well to be fair like they could have said something like he fits really well into our lineup instead i don't know like the fact that they pointed out in particular either to me means a they actually mean it or b they realize why he's been kicked from previous teams and they're trying to like take away any doubts people maybe have very true very true i'm, I'm just yeah. like for that case it's one of those things where uh it, when a player is suspected to have those potential issues i definitely want to see nrg stay together with this roster for several months before going all right woo things are working out i mean hopefully they work out i think for the competitive scene in general it'd be very very good if nrg could put up good results they're still very arguably the most popular team in the game and if they have success i think it's very good for overwatch as a whole but they're still struggling to find that roster that actually works for them and they've successfully added two of the competitive players who get the best stream viewership yes, already. So you've got IDDQD, he had 8,000, 9,000 viewers the other day, which is about as good as it gets for competitive players or players on pro teams. Uh, and then, of course, the one person who beats that the hell out of that is Siegel. Uh, and you're wondering, you're looking at that roster, hmm, there's still a couple open spots left, and a, quite a few people still looking for teams. Uh, namely, <coughs> we talked about this last week, but Harblue, man, that would be so <laughs> oh sick. Oh my god! If they add Harblue, can you imagine the hype behind this team with such fan favorites as IDDQD, Siegel, and Harblue? Can you imagine? The pressure, though, the pressure I mean, that comes high- with doing that is 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 a lot. So having to live is, up to that expectation is, would be really tough. The thing for me is that, sure, there's hype behind that roster, but there's also a very, very quick moment of is this roster going to do well? Say, for example, if they do compete in the monthly melee this month, which I hopefully they are, there's good signals that they are, but we don't have final confirmation on that yet. Say, for example, they go in and they end up going 0-3 in the group because they lose to Rise and they lose to what's, or, you know, whatever, a very stacked whoa, 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 are group. groups made already? Groups are. Yeah, I'm not trying. Uh, spoilers, I, spoilers. Yeah, spoiler alert. Groups probably <laughs> yeah. have a degree of thing going in there, but they rise probably would be in their group from how it's set up right now. But say uh, they lose to rise and they lose to a few other teams. I'm not going to say are in their group yet because I shouldn't. Uh, then it's bad, right? Because then you have all the hype that just immediately is drained out. Going well, what's going on? You're losing this. But that said, it is going to be a very stacked melee especially by a recent month standard. So it's going to be very awesome. Like, for example, uh, this isn't 100%, but most likely Rogue is probably playing in that monthly melee. So it's going to be perhaps the first time that we're seeing them from NA. So there's a lot of cool things going on in that particular melee. But I guess uh, going back to my initial point here, for NRG, there's going to be hype, but a lot of it is going to depend on how they do in that first tournament, whatever it may be, whether it be the monthly melee or something else coming forward. And if they end up losing to a team that people see as having issues, I think that the hype would immediately deflate. Hell, this uh, this over.gg article says that they are going to play in. The- I guess. Uh, yeah, so they're, they're at least at least somebody thinks that they're playing in the melee. Um, yeah, GP, yeah, when yeah. when is this thing taking place? 
the month of melee. So that I can't 100% confirm yet, uh, but uh, later this month. There's actually, as the month goes on, clearly the amount of dates that can be on just goes down and down. So you can probably make educated guesses, but uh, we are going to wait for the full announcement there. Okay. And something also we haven't talked about is that, uh, was it dummy leaked, not leaked, but he like tweeted a little video of IDQ laughing at him and they had Nesh and Ajax playing on the team in that scrim. Yeah. Oh, and right. Nesh, if you guys don't know, he's from Kabina Kamaza. He's from Anox from Slav Squad over in Europe. And then wow. Ajax, who was formerly on TSM, uh, Ghost Gaming and Kungarna, the guy who, I think, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, he was the captain making a team for TSM, got kicked off the team because of a comment he made on Twitter a long time ago. But now he might be picked up, it looks like, by Energy. There's a possibility there. We'll see if they go down that or they want to avoid what TSM wanted to avoid. But I think that's a good note here, just to kind of mention up here, is that I have no idea what TSM is doing in Overwatch right now. You take a look at (laughs) how they've been handling things. Even, let's say they don't have to kick Ajax because he made a tweet that they don't agree with. Their plan to begin with was ridiculous where they go, we're just going to recruit three people from this team that's beginning, where in a game that really depends on your team chemistry, and they didn't really have a plan for how to fill the other three spots. TSM, how they've been just handling handling things organizationally has been all over the place and frankly non-comprehensible because they flew out of the people they recruited from the former ghost team they flew them out to a team house location but now it seems like that's all falling through and it, i don't know tsm makes zero sense to me in how they've been handling things right now it's one of our running storylines yeah, on the exactly. show every single week we're like well, what's tsm doing are they gonna pick up a team there's not that many teams left yeah but even if you're picking up a team why do you split a team grab three and then not have a real plan for how to fill that and you're splitting the team because you have similar levels of concerns with what they have with the old complexity roster, which of course, uh, old history lesson used to be TSM. Then it turned out yeah. that the TGOs <laughs> had skeletons in their closet, so to speak. And it turned into a sponsor issue where they had to drop the team and basically sell it off to complexity for pennies on the dollar. Now they had a situation with ghost where you had similar issues with players like baby Bay that probably would have led to the same exact sponsor concerns. So instead mm-hmm. of giving up on picking up ghost, they just pick up three members and it's just, I don't know. It's not making a whole lot of sense how they're handling things. Yeah, definitely odd, odd going on there. But eventually, TSM will pick up a solid roster. I, I would, I would. We're pretty sure. Yes, they that. will. Given I, that they're such a big brand, and Overwatch is going to be whole, big. Wait for the combine and pick up like six people that are teamless at the time. Like I know, even before they were talking to Ghost, that they were talking to a certain player. I can't say who it is about building a team for them. Um, but it just seems like at this point, with the league coming up, what, sometime this year, and no tournaments anytime soon that oh. we know of, why not just wait till the combine kicks off and then just pick up six people? It'd be a good months. story. It'd be, you know, like literally the story that the combine's supposed to achieve, which is, you know, finding talent and putting them together. And, and it'd be brand new from the standpoint of like Team Esports, like forcing these guys to, not forcing them, but you know, having them have the understanding that they need to come together and play as a professional team and, and not have, you know, just the personal issues that we have been seeing lately in teams. Well, one thing I will say is that that picking up a new team in Overwatch is probably one of the most difficult things to do in terms of figuring out who's going to be good and who's not. I will say that it's still very possible. And TSM is probably kicking themselves every day that they didn't pick up on bird noises earlier because (laughs) hammers esports won the lottery with that team (laughs) in terms of how effective they've been compared to the other big 
orgs and esports have been really desperately trying to get in. I mean, CLG, who knows if their roster is going to do anything, but they picked up a roster that didn't really have a whole lot of success going in there. TSM, we just talked about their issues. So for Hammer is a relatively unknown organization to come in and pick up a team that's looking to be one of the best in NA. That's just sort of a situation of hey, you hey, can hey. still do it, but you know. we'll see how good they are come the monthly melee, though. I mean, <laughs> they were rocking that old meta with the four tanks, but we'll <laughs> see what happens now, right? But like, what's the point if you're TSM? To even pick up an org right now when you know of no tournaments coming up. Well, I, I, have a, I have a I have a I have an answer for that, Jason, and it's actually a segue kind of into some of the we have uh, in the script today. It's that it looks like most top teams are jockeying for position in terms of the Overwatch League where they're going to be located already. Um, so mm-hmm. our next uh, item on the script is X Reunited has been picked up by E United, which has its old <laughs> slew of jokes and <laughs> drop memes the R. and the what, whatever yeah. drop yeah. the R. Uh, we get it, guys. Haha, <laughs> so funny. Uh, United has picked up the reuni- X Reunited roster of Morte, Valataja, Unfixed, Cruz, Rubicon, and Shrik. And interestingly, this team is also moving to the U.S. Uh, to attempt to lock down a spot in the in the Overwatch League. This is this is their intention with coming to the U.S. Similar to what we've seen with quite a few other teams. LG has done the same thing. Uh, looks like Rogue is moving to Las Vegas as well. Uh, so all of these teams are moving to the U- U.S in hopes of establishing themselves okay. uh, in a location for the Overwatch League. Whether this is actually how Blizzard wants to do things or not, it's kind of yet to be seen, but this is definitely what the, the team owners are, are all hoping to do here. Be- before we go off on like a, a tangent with this, I just want to point out one thing that we have to kind of keep in mind, is that it was talked about that you don't even need a team to be in the league right so from the way it was originally talked about was i could i could be like a billionaire and be like hey what's up i can pay x amount of million million dollars and claim title to a city and then i'm in the combine i'm in the league i can pick up a team that way so i don't necessarily understand teams moving rosters over because they're still gonna have to pay at least a million dollars to be in the league to be part of it and then to claim a city from that like I don't actually understand unless they know more than we know, which is is very likely since Blizzard did announce that they're going to be announcing a couple of owners coming up soon. But I don't know. Maybe plans have changed. But anyways, we can continue. I think they are trying to jockey for position there. And let me just say before the moment completely passes us by that I, I really wish Reunited had some sort of announcement where they said, look, we realize that the reason behind all our second place finishes back in the day where we had real trouble winning tournaments, uh, the problem was the letter R. So by dropping <laughs> the letter R, we are going to come in here as a new, stronger team, E-United over Reunited. That's how we're going to get number one. But, you know, a team like Reunited, why wouldn't TSM approach, like, that roster? You know, like, that's already, yeah. like, a, a full roster that's already has a, a following and a brand, and obviously those players are very good players, some of the, some of the best that we have in our, our scene. And I mean, that if, just makes the logical uh, choice, right? The, this is Occam's Razor here, where, <laughs> frankly, if you look at how they were trying to build the other team, which didn't seem like a wing strategy, it's just they don't really seem to know what they're doing in the Overwatch right. space right now. Full yeah. stop. Because you're right. That would make all the logical sense in the world for TSM to go to Reunited as soon as it came out that, look, we're not going to be able to do the player run org anymore. We're looking for a more traditional org. If that's not giving off sirens to say, TSM, look into these guys, pick them up at least even as a stopgap, because you know that they're going to at least be in the pack team-wise, yeah. it would have been a great move. But... Who knows if it was explored? Maybe it was. Maybe the teams didn't get along in the right terms. But clearly, uh, it wasn't to be, as a TSM does not have them. The it new can't... team, United, does have them. 
it, it can't even be a salary issue too, I would imagine, because TSM <laughs> should have so much money behind them and just the notoriety and the fame of being TSM's team. Mm-hmm. Uh, there had to have been something else at play there. Maybe they were already in talks with Ghost and they signed something, you know, with the three players from Ghost. But I definitely agree. Like, why would you not pick up Reunited? is probably the, one of the most accomplished Orgless teams at the time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And another point there is United is actually a pretty small b- brand in the grand scale of things. It's not like they, they have a lot of brand recognition beh- behind them. So... I mean, you definitely had the opportunity to pick up this extra United squad, uh, probably into like a bigger name than than something like United. Um, but beyond, you know, they're they're moving the OW League speculations. What do you guys think about this team? I mean, we we honestly have not seen much from this ex reunited roster recently. Uh, do you think that switching a couple of players in and out, like? Is this enough to to bring them back? Like, do you think that they're going to be a contender? I mean, Jason, you've been watching this team play since before Overwatch. You've been watching this team play forever. I think they have the raw talent to do it, uh, definitely. And I think they're moving crews to more of a DPS position, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and they'll be like, you know, having Rubicon be a support player with Mort or Morte. I think they have the potential, but most importantly, as well, is that United is actually letting them go to Korea to boot camp for like a, a period of time. I don't know if it's like a month That's or two huge. months or something like that, yeah. but it, it's been announced. That gets them like in a really good place for any big coming tournaments uh, or any ter- big tournaments coming up. Uh, and I think that's also maybe something that United wanted to go into this. Like, hey, we want to boot camp in Korea and obviously you're going to have to pay for something like that for us to do that. Um, but I think they're going to come out really strong. Like the Hyperbolic Time Chamber coming out, you know, Super Saiyan 2.5. I mean, y- you say that and yet... I look at their last stint in Korea, which granted was with a different <laughs> roster, and that was not the hyperbolic time chamber. That was just going was to the hyperbolic time roster, chamber though, and getting like... your butt kicked by Vegeta repeatedly over and over again. <laughs> well, like, I mean, they also it wasn't working, working out for them, that, okay? Right? Like, they, they had just it, had a roster it, change it, going there, though. So it, it was they were they in did. flux. So it's a different... But, but here's the thing, is that if you look at their overall performance in recent memory, and there hasn't been as much, but you look at their last performance in, uh, you know, other tournaments have been in they've been trending down in a time where a lot of teams have been trending up the trend in the overwatch scene especially in uh the western scene is that we've been seeing a lot of new teams come up fueled by 16 17 year old players that frankly have been putting in a lot more time than the teams that are composed of veterans not saying that players like volataja aren't still very good but now i question if you have a matchup between say volataja and a mccree or sorry, McCree, and a uh, Grim Reality who would be, say, McCree versus McCree, how does that pan out? Hopefully, I mean, especially for old school fans of Overwatch competition going back today, I would love to see Reunited come back strong. I just don't necessarily think it's guaranteed, especially with how competition the scene has been really heating up. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, hey, so one question for you guys too, like with all these teams, like Ben talking about teams moving to the US and, and prep for uh, the Overwatch League. What's have they really talked about? What city? Like, has the United talked about a city? Because that's where it's going to be. That's what it's going to be all about, right? Because you have to nab up a city, because uh, it's going to be all location based and things like that. And we, you know, we've seen, um, you know, I'm guessing Ambias is obviously, you know, in that um, with North Carolina region, and you know, we're seeing Detroit, you know, and we're, well, I'm sure something the Barry. Where, where are we going to see some of these teams? Vegas got- for Rogue, I guess. You know, right. Well, for United, with Reunited's uh, past history of being cursed and not being able to get number one despite whatever happens, I would say, please bring on the Cleveland E-United. Let's go. 
What do you oh, mean? They man. just won last oh. year. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, for the first time in like forever. I see what you mean. Okay, yeah. all right. <laughs> all right, maybe Cleveland is the destination. Maybe they could get LeBron to, you know, to, to help uh, market the brand a little bit too. That'd be pretty cool. Uh, but NRG's got to be, I don't know, where's Shaq, where's Shaq normally? I, there's a lot of, I guess they're they're based out of, Sacramento, just that definitely in California, right? Energy would be in California. So uh, that's, that's something that I don't think a lot of people are thinking about quite yet is just like, yeah, I mean, these people have to actually set up camp in cities, in different cities. You can't be in the same city. We're not going to have like two LA teams, right? I, I would think this isn't like the NFL, I, I wouldn't think. So I, I would imagine they would want different cities around the US to, to represent. Um, Where's Echo Fox? I'm so surprised they haven't like dipped their yeah, feet into that's this. That's true. Like, yeah. Considering they have a lot of um a lot of fighting game pickups recently from from XCG. Um they have what a League of Legends team, they have a CS team, they they compete like you know, Rick Fox and Shaq with having, you know, Orc versus <laughs> yeah. Orc kind of battle. Like I'm I'm a little bit sad they haven't actually gotten to this mix yet, but maybe we'll see them for the league. Well, Echo Fox has made a lot of really, really smart pickups lately. So maybe they're just biding their time and waiting. I think that's really one of the better scenarios that Overwatch teams can do right now because the reality is, is that it's very difficult to scout teams and figure out who's going to be good. And I do question some of the situations where a team that otherwise has a big pedigree picks up a team that might not be as successful. And I mean, granted, you want more sponsorship <laughs> CLG. <in> the same <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't going to immediately put CLG in Blast Band, but yes, CLG, very obviously. they. I, it's one of those things where I remember at MLG Vegas, they had this announcement for the CLG roster and everyone's just sitting here, all right, who have they picked up uh, big name players? Uh, do they know, like, you know, for example, a big name announcement back that would be suddenly they have Tailspin and IDDQD. People yeah. have been talking go, okay, this is worthy of announcement. We know these players, and you're clearly coming in picking up some of the best free agents at the time. And no disrespect to uh, the team that was formerly the 1% and otherwise that they picked up, but they weren't all that well known. So the announcement fell very flat at the time. And to this point, they still haven't really been very notable in the scene thus far. Yeah, you think that the you think that the orgs would be signing for like really short contracts too, just kind of you know it's almost like tryouts, right? I think I think the big brands would be okay doing that, just kind of dipping their feet and in, in, you know making some attempts instead of trying to sign for six, twelve months where it is like a much bigger risk. I'm hoping at least no team, doing no team will sign for that period of really? time with the league okay. coming up. Yeah, like I remember talking back to, uh, was it Rogue before their Rogue? Oh, God, I can't remember. I, I, the team Tavik was on. Was Are you it, talking about Maidong? No, like, they played the That's takeover Rogue. tournament, and uh, like I think they were with Rogue. But like I talked to Tavik, and they signed for like only a small amount of time because they knew of what potentially is coming up soon in the future. There were no way to lock themselves down for a year like the org wanted them to initially. Yeah, yeah. There, there's some orgs that have actually gone out of their way, even the very beginning, to get people to sign two, and I think I heard one that was three year contracts early what? on. So yeah, no teams are. <laughs> Listen, wow. uh, it's one of those things where That's it's business, crazy. right? Teams were really – it's one of those things crazy. where in the very beginning of Overwatch, there was this idea, well, people have stars in their eyes. Let's lock them down when we can. Players eventually got somewhat wise to that. I think that there's definitely cases where people signed contracts that they probably shouldn't have. Like to throw a little bit back here, the IDDQD Fnatic contract was a terrible contract for IDDQD in terms of not having any good outs for him. He had a buyout that was ridiculously high that apparently energy is paying or has paid. But uh, more than that, he should have had something in there saying, look, if I'm not on the active roster, please 
you know, get rid of, not please, but have it written the contract that you have to terminate me. Because the weird thing about that is that IDD could use in a real catch 22 situation where Fnatic was still paying his salary, right? Even though he was inactive on the team. The problem is, is that because he wanted to keep himself relevant in the scene and grow other parts, he was streaming a lot. And when you're streaming a lot, you're providing value to the organization that lets them justify continuing to pay your salary and keeping you locked in on the buyout. So IDD could do stuff in the situation of, do I disappear, stop streaming and get myself cut that way? But no, this makes no financial sense. So I still want to stream, build my stream, which has been very successful. But now Fnatic has no reason to want to cut me. So IDDQD was stuck in a very awkward contractual situation, which he is. There was uh, a clause in his contract, though, that revolved around being benched for a certain period of time would take him out of his contract. I remember talking about that. Hmm. Oh, so like okay. eventually he got to the point because like, like the, there wasn't so from what I heard, there actually wasn't a number placed on the buyout. It was. Hey, uh, now, hey, Fnatic, we want to pick up your team. We're NRG. We'll pay you fifty thousand for Friday to Cutie. They can be like, no, 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 pay us five hundred thousand dollars. Like they can literally sit there and say an insane high amount number, oh and knowing that other org will take it because by keeping them on your roster at the moment, you don't have to compete against them on another team's roster. So he had this weird little clause in there that allowed him, like after a period of time of like two, three months, that he could get out of his contract if he was benched and wasn't put into any matches. And oh. the lesson learned there from anyone who is getting into esports is make sure you have a buyout A and make sure the buyout has a firm number. Don't just leave it up into the air because what you'll have there too is a situation where a company like Fnatic, when someone else goes to them and, go, and goes, we want to buy out IDDQD, they're going to go, that's interesting. We're going to think about that. And in the time that they're not talking to in a meeting, they're going out of their way to go, how much money do these guys have? How much are they going to pay? So any suitor for IDDQD is going to get potentially fleeced. And who knows how much energy paid, but it probably, it might not have been a small sum. I mean, we're talking about a bargaining type of scenario too. Imagine just when there's personal things happening, you know, between the team and the player and the team's just trying to, you know, to, to lower your market value and, and things like that. So it, it can get really, really ugly. So yeah, ZP's advice is absolutely correct and uh, definitely hugely, hugely important. So Jason, like you mentioning that is, did he have a, did he actually get bought out then? I mean, if, I mean, why not just sit on the bench and not get bought out? I mean, like energy could have waited I, and got a complete bargain, you know? Yeah, I, I don't know. Okay. I, I, okay. I, from what I remember, like the period was like two months or three months. And I think it's been about two, three months. Yeah, since for sure. Benched, so yeah. maybe they didn't have to pay him that much. Yeah, okay, cool. Uh, well, let's move on. Um, did have a little bit of news uh, about just Kangarna. I, mean, I think we talked about last week that Kangarna, after joining Coast and then after you know just, just doing so well at, at Winter Premiere, they ended up splitting up. But now, and then now we, we talked about, actually last week, we talked about them splitting from Ghost and then back to Kangarna. And then now we're, we're hearing that uh, Kangarna and Splice have merged. So um, uh, I guess that was kind of the big news. I think everybody was uh, uh, talking about also in terms of Kangarna. So this is kind of interesting. What do you guys think of this? Uh, oh, man. This, Splice has just had so many different rosters at this point. Like, I can't even keep track of this team ever. <laughs> I wonder if this one is going to stay consistent for any amount of time at all. I mean, we've already seen some issues uh, arising around the players, the, formerly from Kangarna. You mentioned Bay Bay, or Baby Bay, excuse me, uh, with uh, dubious past potentially. Uh, so I, I'm just sitting this at this going, hmm, how many weeks is it going to last? I mean, hopefully for them it lasts a while. Sp- Splice is a good brand. Glad to see them here in Overwatch. Good luck. But uh, I, I'm not crossing my fingers on this one. 
Well, Splice has been a tortured brand in Overwatch in terms of the results that they've had. They've continually been on the lower end of the pack and they've been slipping further and further out. And don't get me wrong, I like the people that have been on Splice in the past. People like Pure are a joy to talk with and they're still in it. But I don't know if crossing the streams here makes for a particularly great team. I mean, I'm hopeful. I want as many good competitive teams Overwatch as possible. And Splice is a brand that you want to be successful because of what they've done in other games. But they have had a really hard time getting everything together. And I will say, too, is that now that the Kangarna members on their team, uh, players like Michael in particular, it's also adding a lot of pressure because Michael is not known for being particularly humble in the community and how he presents himself or his team. So now Splice has that extra added level of pressure of having to live up to that and do well at the same time. So, I mean, I guess we'll wait and see, but mm -hmm. uh, the jury is definitely out. Okay, uh, let's see. Next up on the news, we've got, uh, I guess, this big tournament, which actually ZP is going to be casting. So um, let's talk about the Carbon Series. And we actually had, uh, you know, that group, that that organizer, um, do a an event, I believe. It was like a two- or three-day event uh, back in the fall, I believe. And it was kind of a small event, but, you know, this was like one of the first events where we actually saw you know, an in-house casters, in-house hosts, even just a, you know, mini studio too. Uh, but now they're taking a step, you know, even further and having their own six team league with, uh, you know, just some of the biggest NA only, or at least the, not NA only, but NA teams that we've been seeing recently. Uh, so ZP, you're going to be casting it with Hex. Uh, once you, you have any, uh, additional details about it possibly, like, are you excited about, about this league? Oh, I'm super excited, and I think it's going to give one of the few things that's been lacking in recent times, especially as we've hit the new year and everyone has been figuring out, all right, what do we want to do for Overwatch for the new year? Uh, kind of a down period in January, but what it's going to do is that it's going to give people three solid days of North American Overwatch per week, and it's going to be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, two sets every day, all best out of five. So it's a lot of Overwatch content that, more importantly than anything else, is consistent. Throughout the course of the month, you're going to be able to tune in on any of those days, and you know that you're going to see a great game between some of the very top teams in the game. So it's very exciting, and there's a lot of really cool things that can be done with the format. I mean, in a lot of ways, you can look at it as Apex West. It's, of course, the competition is online. It's not in person, but I think it should be a very cool event that uh, the community will very much be able to get behind. Well, when you said Apex West, I'm like, wait a sec. Wait, this is going to be in a gigantic arena with like no, no. all the teams there <laughs> the in person? Crazy production okay. team. Yeah. I mean, I, I very quickly modified that just knowing, yeah. by the way, it's not going to be in person. We're not going to have the zoom in cameras. I'm not sure anyone <laughs> is going to get it. But, uh, you know, overall, I think it should be a very fun event. Yeah, okay. I, I like the idea of having consistent broadcast days. Um but this just continues to add to the pile of North America-focused tournaments. Not only is it North American teams only, it's during such a terrible time zone for, for Europe that this, this is for the North America audience, like straight up. Like, th there's no other way to look at this. Uh, I mean, it works for me. I'm going to get to watch Overwatch when I get home from work every day. That's, that's fantastic. So just to elaborate on this, and Jason, I'm sure, has thoughts to be able to throw in as well. Um, first Screw of all, you guys. I want some EU tournaments. <laughs> exactly. <God. laughs> no, but when it comes to EU tournaments right now is that you have this weird conundrum where, how, how to put it, and it, it goes way back, but whenever you do a tournament in Overwatch right now, it has to be licensed by Blizzard. 
And because the specter of Overwatch League is looming, you don't have the incentive for some organization to come in and try and take over everything. The general esports path, right, is that esport comes out, some team tries to become, or some organization tries to become a huge hegemon and runs competition in every region. Well, you're not going to be able to be a huge hegemon in Overwatch right now. It's not going to happen. You have to get things licensed by Blizzard, and there will be bigger events over your event. So what's happening right now for sponsors is that they do want to get in the Overwatch space. They want to make sure they're prepped, but they're more focused on getting the biggest bang for their buck in these particular tournaments. And right now, NA not only gets more numbers, but from an advertising standpoint, NA is a far more valuable advertising demographics when you look at things like Twitch numbers, all the rest. So the problem is you have to incentivize organizations to invest money into the EU side of things, even though it is a less valuable demographic, they will not have any form of hegemonic control and uh, they're going to get less viewers overall. So that's why I've been seeing less investment in EU. I think that's going to change very soon. I think there should be things on the horizon that will hopefully really bring EU the attention it deserves. But that's why you've had this drought right now in terms of spot organizations looking to run more na focused tournaments jason comments i i can't really comment the way i want to on that because <laughs> oh, of no. stuff okay okay i, I agree and i disagree um i think there is definitely a desire to run tournaments in eu but there's also been a lot of how do I even say this? Impediments, roadblocks. There's been a lot of roadblocks in terms of actually running something where obviously you have to get a license from Blizzard, but from what I've understood from multiple other organizations, they're not really giving out licenses for EU at all for, since January, since like late last year. Like, hmm. uh, if you have a, if you have a Why? tournament with ten thousand dollars or more, then it has to be approved by Blizzard. Like they have to give you a license for it. And from what I've understood, there hasn't really been any licenses given out to Europe for any tournaments during this period of time, which is why I think there's also been a lack. I mean, but is at this, the same time, I think ZP's right. Is this because of past issues with some European events? Or? Yeah, obviously, I think there is. Like with MSI tournament yeah. that happened in London, there's obviously like a big, like we want to make sure all events for Overwatch are ran well. Um, so it's it's smart with Blizzard to be careful about that. But there's definitely been a lot of prevention in in terms of tournaments but i i do know for a fact that there is some stuff coming up at least through esl we, we i i yeah i have gotten we have gotten okay to run something but i can't really say what it is just yet jason break your ndas do it now <laughs> exactly. no, I, I care, yeah it's not know, like we it's not like we have blizzard staff watching every episode <laughs> nah, uh, yeah nah, never never but that's just from what, what i've understood and what i've heard from different like orgs wanting to run tournaments they've just been kind of not been necessarily allowed to okay well hopefully that esl tournament will be you know something pretty awesome but you know it's great to see again we get to get a chance to see the luminosities and the you know the the immortals the hammer esports and renegades obviously complexity and, and uh, team liquid get a chance to you know kind of be in an environment where they can you know just show the community you know you'll have the community get to to know them a little bit better get to know the brands a little better and and kind of build up you know these na teams so uh, for the eventual you know kind of step up where you know we have all those other teams that, that are playing in korea right now that are considered you know the top tier teams 
it's well, a good environment. Building up NA. Look at you. Did you just literally listen to the teams and the orgs you just listed? Yeah. Immortals, Luminosity, Team Liquid, Renegades, yeah. Complexity. Like if Hammers is the only one that doesn't say fit in as a big org. Sounds EU like LCS. Needs, <laughs> yeah, true. I'm just like, talking about There's so many in, good in teams Overwatch. in EU that just haven't yeah. had a chance to show what they've got. Mm-hmm. Like That's the true. Chavs, Writers. Like there's a lot of. Uh, oh, God, what's the other one? Slob Squad. Uh, there's just a lot of teams in general in EU and a lot of play, uh, people playing that just haven't had a chance to show what they've got because there haven't been tournaments. It's totally It was tiered. actually on the. <laughs> It was on uh, the last podcast that uh, Monty and Thorne have where Monty went into this a little bit more as well. But in general, it is harder to get really solid European sponsorships versus NA sponsorships in large part due to some of the factors mentioned before, just demographics, easier usage of uh, getting uh, sponsors, all the rest. I, I think a really good point brought up there, too, for orgs and why they do try and go more NA when they can. And this is not on a tournament level. This is just on a team level is that. Uh, the example that was used on uh, Oversight was the idea that if you want to get a Nike sponsorship for NA, you deal with Nike NA and it covers the whole of the United States, but you want to get a sponsorship on the side of Europe. Well, then you have to talk with Nike Germany and then Nike France and all the rest. It's all segmented and a huge pain, language barriers, trouble getting different orgs that like to be independent despite being under the same corporate umbrella working together. It's a pain. So from an organizational point of view, it's definitely easier to get things running as an NA-sided team. Now, ZP, I got to put you on the spot for this uh, the team roster here. It's, it's looking pretty good. You got six high-caliber teams, but we just heard that Rogue is moving to Las Vegas. We just heard that Reunited, United, looking to come to NA as well. Is there any chance of wiggle room in this roster? As far as that goes, I mean, any sort of event like this has to be done really far in advance when you extend invites to teams. And the Rogue situation was still in flux. And United, that's actually just recent news that they're coming over. And for the record, I'm not even involved in the team invite. So (laughs) I played the fifth there to begin with. Like, I'm indemnified. But in defense of the invites anyways, is that you have to do these things very far in advance. I mean, obviously, there's a licensing process and everything else. You want to make sure that you have your teams locked in. And it'd be a really ridiculous move to go to a team. Look, we're going to need you to commit to this five-week tournament, but we reserve the right to kick you out in case. <laughs> well, they shouldn't uninvite so. people. I mean, if anything, you you change your your format to include but two more. Add more team. Yeah, right. Okay. But if you change <laughs> your format, if terrible. everything you need approval for, you can't just change your format and be like, guys, we're just changing our format midway sure. through. It's that's mm-hmm. not something that's really easy to go through. These are things that have to be planned in advance. And I realize that Overwatch sort of has this history, almost tradition of things being last minute in terms of tournaments and things coming up out of nowhere. But in an ideal world, you do want things to be planned somewhat far in advance. And it does mean you miss out on opportunities like, say, having Rogue in this tournament, but it's still a very good roster of teams nonetheless. Yeah, agreed. Very true. Yep. Okay, well... Who's going to win it, ZP? <laughs> yeah. I'm putting you on the spot. Who's going to win it? Immortals, go- after the back of a big win from... Uh- from NGE, <laughs> Manasi with the new it's roster. A, it's actually almost impossible to call a favorite here. Yeah, I mean, Complexity potentially not going to have Hard Blue. <sighs> they would have been one of the favorites, but they also just lost to Immortals uh, the other week. Uh, Luminosity, uh, they've been struggling for so long. TL struggling, but has had a slight uptick in performance. Like, 
I have no idea who wins this tournament. I, mean, I thought Winter it, Premier was pretty, like the parody was there. So this is, it continues into yeah. this tournament. There's very heavy parody to begin with. I'd say right now it's probably easier to pick losers rather than winners as far as it goes. Uh, certainly, I think <laughs> okay. at the top it's very close. Uh, who knows how Hammers will do under the new patch. Immortals, of course, would be the front runner, but not by uh, indisputable degree. Team Liquid obviously has very big demons to work out. And I would actually say that this particular event is truly the make or break one for Team Liquid. I And for the record, I said this at MLG Vegas and they rolled right along despite not having the greatest showing there. So who knows? Maybe they'll endure regardless. But I do think that this might be the last really big chance here for Team Liquid to come out prove themselves and have a good showing with their roster because if team liquid ends up going out here in fifth or sixth place i do think team liquid as an org realize to start wondering how long do you want to stay with this core of players because similar to a team like splice they've really struggled over the last few months and at some point for a name like the team liquid name you want to get a higher level of result than what they've had so i think this tournament is probably of paramount importance here for tl well not just liquid complexity like yeah. they've been a, a solid six for a long time now, dating back to the games. I say longer than anyone. Basically. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, if, even with Hard Blue coming out and someone coming in, like to me, they're in the same boat as Liquid. I want to see them do well, but I just know, like deep down or in the back of my mind, that they're just not going to perform well at this tournament. And I want <sighs> to see them do well. I just I don't know what's right or wrong within the team. Complexity's main issues, I feel like, still stem from the fact that more so than anything else, you take a look at their DPS contribution, it has been horrifically inconsistent. It's like they have a double team of two easies without necessarily the high-end uh, level to it to some extent. I mean, because you think back to when they were TSM and when they were really on top and competing for the number one spot a lot more regularly than they have in recent times, they did it when the TJOs were having just really good games, really catching people off guard with tactics like double tracer and all the rest. And while they've been solid, you haven't seen them pop off in the way that you see a lot of current top players pop off or up and coming players. Like you take a look at a player like dream Casper, who now I think is uh, I'm not sure if he's signed by Tempo. He's trying out for them. Formerly the spicy boys roster. You look at a player like that. He brings more impact to a game with just, Hey, I just killed four people than what we've seen from complexity in their DPS for a long time. And if DPS or if complexity doesn't find that level of threat, I think it's gonna be very difficult for them to break out of their middle of the pack slump that they've been in. Yeah, complexity is one of those teams too that everybody talks about them doing well in practices too, you know, in scrims, and that's why a lot of people were hyped for them going to MLG. And it, when it comes to the big events or those live events, they just don't perform. So I, I'm not, oh. I'm not sure if that's endemic of the team or if you know that, that's something that can be solved. One thing I do want to point out before we get too far, since I did mention too easy and some people would see it as a negative way, I do think he plays really well when he plays really well. But one thing that's really underrated about too easy, by the way, is that people talk about the idea of roster management in the scene and all the rest. And too easy, regardless of where he goes as a player, he might be one of the best GM type people in the scene because he consistently puts together good oh, yeah. teams. Mm -hmm. So I'm really curious to see what his new team in Bench Boys does going forward because if they do well, I kind of feel like if you're one of these owners coming into the Overwatch scene, potentially, I think you go out of your way and go too easy and go, look, you're a pretty good player, but do you want to manage our roster decisions because you've put together consistently good rosters? Something to think about. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, they're probably like the next best team to pick up right now that's unsigned. Like, the, actually, by far, almost in a way. 
I can't really think of anyone else. But Bench Boys? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay, well, uh, let's move on to uh, just a little bit of just general Overwatch news, which is uh, Blizzard cracking down even harder just on hackers, scripters, and in this particular case, they were uh, this article was focused a lot, or at least the announcement was focused heavily on PC banks and just how they're trying to you know solve the issue with PC banks. And for those you're not familiar with it, uh, you know a lot of hackers were using PC banks and uh, being able to get away with it just because you know those PC banks you don't have to use your your actual um, you know your copy of Overwatch. You know your your installed version of Overwatch. You can you can just log in with whatever user and then you can change your user or whatever you know just continually change multiple users. And 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 we're able to hack that way and they weren't detecting it. But now it sounds like they're cracking down even more on it. It sounds like you're gonna have to even just log on to your account with a, you know just um a, I think it's a, a Battle.net account or wait key or let me let me see the specifics it, it needs to, you need to um, use a korean region battle.net yeah account, that's what it is which yeah, to do yeah. that you actually need to input your social security number or something like that mm-hmm. something yep. something very difficult to come by <laughs> so in theory this means that the hackers that have been making free accounts on na and eu won't be able to take those accounts over to korea and then make a new smurf uh to hack on in the Korean PC box. So will this eliminate hacking altogether? Absolutely not. Uh, will this make things better? Absolutely. hundred percent. This is, this is going to make it so that cheaters are going to actually have to pay every time uh, to make a new account uh, once they get caught. Um, so we'll see, we'll see how big of an impact this has, but clearly this is a big issue for the Korean scene. We saw it on Reddit. We saw it, we see it on, you know, the, the Korean forums. We see it all over the place. This is a big issue for the Korean players uh, and it even leaks into the other ecosystems. We see it on NA and EU, uh, these these Korean hackers coming by. So uh, does it, it's not going to remove hacking altogether. It's not like a it's brand new anti-cheat, it but it's it's going to make it much more difficult and costly to hack. Well, the key, the key here is that you're getting rid of a loophole, right? Where it was a loophole that was enabling this sort of rampant abuse. Loophole has been closed and it is a good move overall. There's actually just nothing negative to say about this and only positive to say. And it's a good thing for the scene and definitely good for the, especially the Korean side of things where uh, there's been a case where in general, if you are a high MMR player, more often than not, in a lot of your games, you have the situation of, all right, guys, we have to force a draw because there's a dude in here that is engaging in unscrupulous behavior. So that will cut that down a lot and will definitely improve the quality of life, especially on the high end for people playing on the Korean ladder. So just great all around. Yeah. It's in, you Unless know, you it, get a King of the Hill map and then somebody has to like bite the <laughs> bullet and just like take the loss for everyone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, it's just good that Blizzard continues being transparent about it too. You know, like keep coming out with this. Every time you do something, you know, we don't get sick of hearing about you guys cracking down on hackers and instead of just assuming you guys are doing it. So, uh, yeah, continue that for sure. Okay, next up, uh, actually, I think that's it for the news, at least, section that we have. So I want to give a quick shout-out to some of the folks that are listening. Obviously, all the folks that are watching right now, but we do have a lot of folks that listen on iTunes as well as Google Podcasts. And, um, you know, one way to help the show or at least help people find the overview is to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. And a lot of folks have been doing that for the past, you know, weeks now. And I just want to give a shout-out to the last couple that we've had this week, Will Fong for Food and Bok Bok. Thank you so much 
thank you so much for doing that and you know makes us definitely feel good about doing the show um so yeah all the folks out there yeah leave leave us a nice message if you message if you like the show okay next up we've got um our segment topic of the week and topic of the week this week i i decided to choose one that's come up very recently you know last probably 24 hours or so yeah this morning and it is one that pertains to the overwatch subreddit uh monte cristo uh, somebody that i think we all know in in um in in esports or overwatch esports and and general esports uh started a petition uh just basically trying to get to the uh, content in our overwatch you know, moderated a bit, and, and meaning, and he's particularly pointing out things like the clips that we see, the play of the game clips, and and a bunch of those things that uh, do get a lot of views, do get a lot of upvotes, but really don't get that much engagement in terms of comments. You know, it's, it's definitely been going down, 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 down over the months, and you know, we've talked about this sort of thing on the show. We've just kind of like, just, just you know. The reason that we, we think that this is happening is that eventually, you know, organically it'll go away once people just get tired of seeing the same thing over and over again. And I think that is the case. It's like slowly, but but it's more of a habitual thing that people just like just look at these things and they upvote it. So um, from the standpoint of trying to uproot those type of uh those posts, it's very, very hard to do because people still upvote these things, right? And with the Reddit system, these things are always going to be in the top 25. So um, this petition is basically asking to see if the moderators will, uh, you know, make it a, I mean, not remove these type of posts, but, you know, add rules like, you know, they have to be self-posts or maybe you have a post that, you know, it has to link the, the clip versus, you know, clicking on it and immediately seeing it. You know, things like that just that make it a little bit more difficult to have just, crazy amounts of these type of, of posts on the uh, the the overwatch subreddit uh, and you know of course there's some there's some angle where we want esports to have you know a little bit of presence on the that subreddit too but generally speaking I want to see what you guys think about it uh, Jason have you start off since you've been kind of a little quiet today so I figured jump on you on this big topic here oh man so this is I remember actually being in the office with Mitch earlier today and, yeah. and talking about this in particular. And at first glance, <laughs> at first glance, I was like 100% against this because it kind of seemed like why it, it without reading the article, let me point that out, without reading it first, just seeing the posts about it, it just seemed really whiny in terms of, oh, I'm tired of seeing these gifts get upvoted and, and content that we produce <laughs> not getting right. there and no news about competitive Overwatch and blah, 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 blah. And I always I had the mindset of like if people want to see something and they like it they're gonna upvote it so like you shouldn't be able to control necessarily the dem- democracy of Reddit I guess is a better way to say it um, but after reading it it does make a lot more sense like I, if you you asked Mitch I was completely against it earlier today after reading it I'm actually for it it's nice to have more diverse topics to discuss. Um, not necessarily just for the competitive scene, but just more in-depth conversations about in general of the game instead of seeing, was it 22 out of 25 were just clips of mm-hmm. gifts? Every like, day. Hey, I made a cool play. Every day. At, yeah. at the same time, you also have to look at the whole argument that we've had since this was this even started, you know, back in the day of naturally over a period of time, it will get more esports directed once people are tired of seeing these gifts because they've seen it a thousand times. Mm-hmm. Um but I do like appreciate. I do like the fact that they want to make it a little bit more, not say difficult, but make the content more worthwhile to look at. If that makes sense. 
Okay. Ben? So for me, oh, oh go ahead, ZB. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Oh yeah, sorry. sorry. Uh, yeah. So for me, I think the main thing here is that Monty is coming at this from a rather intelligent angle. It's not coming at it directly from the angle of look, just upvote more esports, do it. His point of view <laughs> yeah. is. And how he's handling this, even though certainly the motivation is esports, right? Mm -hmm. But it brings up a bigger topic at hand, which is very true, which is that there's a lot of facets to Overwatch as a game. There's a lot of cool things that can be done. And we're not just even talking about esports. We're talking about cool community creation mm -hmm. that can be done, different projects within the Overwatch sphere and all the rest. And it's, now we got the server fun. browser and custom matches and all that, right. too. Right. So it's difficult to get full attention to all these things. If you have to compete with 20, if say out of every 25 posts on Reddit, 23 are gifts of, you know, hero dies or something, something, you know, Roadhog cooks someone to their death, so on and so forth. If that is flooding everything, it's difficult to get other good content on there. So Monty's approach here and how he's worded this is not, look, you guys need to do more for esports. It's look, there's a lot of content Overwatch that maybe isn't getting its fair shake because there's a culture now of just posting gifts and uploading gifts. If we can find a way of maybe tamping that down a little bit and creating more space for the other good things in the Overwatch scene, that would be a good thing that would raise up everything in the scene equally. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a very smart approach for how he's coming at this. It's the right approach. I mean, it's I I think he is being smart. Basically, having I mean, we all have esports motivations, but it's it's correct. I mean, there's there's so much that the Overwatch landscape offers, and you know, we're and this isn't a casual versus hardcore thing. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with just like like ZP was saying. There's all kinds of content out there that is literally getting zero love, and which discourages content. The folks that are making content to even do that content when they can't even get any kind of you know uh, just views or exposure on it even when it's good and i'm talking about like the super creative stuff too you know like music or you know like music videos or or i, I don't know just um just cosplay things you know just whatever right like there's all of that stuff that's available in in our community and we're just not seeing it so in some ways the clips all those things that could be its own subreddit like and people just go there, you know, if that's the thing that you like to, to see, like, is that the reason that you go to our Overwatch, then, you know, you could easily go to our Overwatch clips and watch, you know, as much as you want. Um, but yeah, definitely filling in these, these very valuable 25 to 50 spots, you know, in, in what is still virtually the Overwatch community website. Uh, it's, it's a big deal. Cause right now it's not, it's not really much of a community website. You know, at least we have the competitive overwatch and, you know, there are the various subreddits that do kind of fill in the, you know, some of the gaps for us. But right now, unlike most of the other, other games, especially Blizzard games, the, the subreddit isn't a representative, I, I believe of just the diversity of the community. Yeah, I'm incredibly, uh, on the fence with this. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest. Um, I, I think there's a couple things. Uh, first of all, what Monty's actually suggesting here in that GIFs and, and short clips should be posted as self-posts versus posting the GIF outright, that basically just makes it less convenient to, to, to get to these, which, yeah, it will mm -hmm. probably decrease the number that you're seeing on the front page. So it's certainly one way of, I think if it was implemented, it would effectively decrease the number of gifts and short clips that you do see on the front page. But you're not you're not saying we should ban them or we should mm -hmm. limit them or they have to have a certain level of effort into them or, or anything like that. You're just saying make it slightly less convenient for the average user to engage with that content, which 
in itself just feels weird to me. Uh, it feels kind of weird. Um, it might be effective in accomplishing the goal of of balancing out the subreddit to have more discussion and more news about esports on the front page, but it might just make the subreddit less active at the same time too. I mean, if, I'm just looking right now. There's 9,000 people on the sub as we speak, 770,000 subscribers. It's one of the biggest gaming sub subreddits. Period. I think it, it might be like. Wait, is, what's bigger in esports? Is there like is League there anything is bigger. even bigger at this point? League of Legends is bigger right? in terms of active users. Oh, active users! I'm, I'm actually gonna check. Um, uh, okay, League of Legends is yeah. fourteen thousand, so it, it's a little bit below League of Legends, but it's one of the most active subreddits out there. And also, uh, from another perspective, uh, I'm a moderator on a couple of subreddits myself, and my personal philosophy is that Reddit itself should be the decider of what the good content is and what the bad content is. It doesn't always work out, you know, how we would want it to, but I'm a, I'm a huge believer in letting the system play out uh, as best as it can. Obviously there are cases where people are completely abusing and vote for great vote brigading and you should stop that uh, from happening. But ben. the natural system it's built for a reason. Ben, this is where we have some shared history here. And I'm going to say that, our views on mo ideal moderation probably are not very great. We come from a community that all back then, like the old school tribes community prided itself on just let everything regulate itself. No moderation whatsoever. And it's something that I mean, for the longest time, I've very much been more in favor of. Like, usually I'm in your camp, but as time has gone on, I've definitely hit the point where, okay, there might be some degree of benefit in guiding these things somewhat, especially if you look at how the you know in the tribes case how things ended up there where the inmates ran the asylum to some extent where a lot of people got pushed out because of no moderation now i'm not saying anything's like this happening in the overwatch reddit or anything yeah, but that's like because that, of but... negativity and vitriol and yes speech this is not really the situation here no so, i'm just saying well, we're predisposed so... <laughs> a little bit to just go ah, oh, let, let things ride and i'm not sure that's always the best situation i i think one of the issues with overwatch and jason alluded to a little bit is that um i think naturally things would you know fall into place you know i think the natural progression of a subreddit is that when the game's brand new and it's super popular and you know overwatch is record breaking super popular you know like right off the gate um, then you're going to get all these type of play the game, these funny clips from the games, and, and you see that for a period of time. And then eventually, the you know the popularity of the game goes down. There's something new, and you know that that people are playing. And then um, you know you start seeing just the the recession of this type of thing. And then you see things like esports and and other types of uh, interest in that game start to take you know start to be more prominent and then you start to see just a, a, an influx or a change that that takes place and then esports eventually become like you know, maybe 50 percent of it and that's kind of what we see with with some of the league of legends and csgo we actually see more with overwatch though like my point is though with overwatch i feel like we're ex we're trying to accelerate everything and there is a ben there is a good and there are good and bad things about accelerating. The good thing is is like trying to accelerate things and getting like different aspects of the community a ton of exposure. You know, this is like max exposure when the game is still growing and, and thriving uh, and getting, you know, just a lot of eyes on things like you know our tournaments or just whatever content. Um, that's optimal, you know, and, that, and that's kind of like where we're at right now. Like we, we just don't want to have to wait for that kind of natural progression to happen. Well, actually, I'm going to play devil's advocate and actually disagree with you that Overwatch is on a natural progression. I think anything 
on Overwatch and how it's grown has been anything but natural for how a general game develops, especially on the esports side, because the reality is, is that mm-hmm. Overwatch went from, you know, to give an example, it's like da, 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 da. And no game has really done that to that extent. Not even League. When League exploded, League took a much longer period of time to get that insane levels of popularity. And what usually happens in a scene, relative to the competition and competitive side of things, that grows at an equal rate with the rest of the game. So it's always a constant uh, element when people are browsing things related to the game. The thing about Overwatch, it makes it unique and makes you consider things like Monty's proposal to help maybe put it on a slightly different track and encouraging other content is that Overwatch, because it spiked so quickly on the player base side, it didn't have a whole lot of time for the esports side of things to really ingratiate itself as people came in as sort of gigantic amount of people day one period and you didn't have this ramp up time that you had with every other sport so you could say that oh natural progression is just going to naturally go more towards these sports as time goes on i would say that there's the potential for overwatch and you have this case where because the casual side grew so quickly into an unprecedented degree it actually means that you might have to take more of an effort to promote the esports side of things so i don't think mm-hmm. it's really great to rest on your laurels and go oh natural progression everything will be fine I think you need to be a little bit more proactive in monitoring the situation and not just assuming things will work out because of prior history. The problem, okay, so the problem I think with your analogy is the fact that there hasn't been a game out there like Overwatch, not in terms of genre, but in terms of when it came out and how big of a game it became and it was intended to be from the get go. You look, you compared League of Legends to it, you talked about you know, League, it's sort of very slow. That was before esports really boomed huge. Right. Like that was way before that happened. It got like the well before the bubble collapsed, then it came back together and it started to rise up like crazy, having the multi-million dollar deals, having these orgs, having professional sports organizations involved. CS, very slow as well, before esports blew up. And then once esports blew up, it just picked up really quickly. This game, this is after the big boom of esports has happened, and you can't really compare Overwatch to literally any other game out there involved in esports because of how of the timing that it came out. And the expectation for it to be already in esport when it came out. So I, I understand what you're saying, and I, and I agree. Like we're trying to like quicken the process. I think within your argument as well, you, you prove a good point that because this isn't any sort of game like we've seen before, you we have to do something to help catch up yeah. the progress oh, of where the game is with the esports side of it, which in partly needs to be done by Blizzard as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm it, not saying I like. I'm just playing devil's advocate, bringing that aspect up. Like, I, believe me, I want to you know accelerate things too. So it, it's we're all just playing devil's advocate. Exactly, we all know what we all want it to be. You don't know any of our true opinions. I mean, the reality is here is that I've made six gifts in the meantime of May slaughtering people and looking into their oh, eyes man. with her devilish grin. So I look. I mean, let's not act like anyone knows what anyone really thinks here right now. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like everything I said before, I will also agree with you guys that I. I I do want to see more competitive content get on the subreddit. However, ha- however it happens, I would be happy to see it. So I, I, I was playing devil's advocate myself as well with the let Reddit be Reddit thing. Uh, uh, but uh, you know, th- there there is another discussion here uh, that we've we've touched on several times throughout the course of the show, uh, which is we have our competitive Overwatch, which has grown. I mean, it's it's, it's not a tiny subreddit. It's mm-hmm. it's like. You know, it's not massive. It's 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 small to medium size, but, 
but yeah, I mean, it's growing uh, consistently. Who knows? Maybe, maybe is it fine that competitive Overwatch is where the majority of the competitive conversation happens? Uh, or should should we try and close competitive Overwatch and, and force all of those people onto the main subreddit? Like, if we did that tomorrow, would we then see yeah. competitive well, uh, oriented posts get more exposure on the main well, subreddit? Is Overwatch the only game that has a subreddit? Dedicated specifically to it's one of the, the few side of it. Hearthstone is one of the other. No, Hearthstone few has one. Yeah, competitive. Monty has. had a very good point at this when I think it was in the letter, which is simply that competitive Overwatch is great. You can use that for yeah. deeper dives that go into even more in depth on things in the competitive situation, where maybe it doesn't have as big of a general appeal, but there's still very much a use for that, even if changes to the main subreddit create more room for things like esports. So I think that's totally fine, but I do think you want to have at least the generals uh, covered on the uh, main yeah. subreddit. And I, I do want to throw out that the mods for our Overwatch have been doing a, I mean, like they've been doing a good job. They've been adapting the the actual subreddit to include events. You know, we didn't have yes. the upcoming events for a while, right? They added that, and this upcoming events literally lists everything, including yeah. you know a lot of subreddit, like just other subreddits. And competitive Overwatch is definitely listed, you know, here from time to time under the different sections. So it, it's a little bit more to do with just the you know just the model of reddit the fact that these subreddits are our community sites and it's not structured to be a community site so we're literally trying to force you know in into this top 25 list because it, it you know, that's the only thing that really gets a lot of views is the top 25 how can we fit in 25 you know things every day that that have to do with this large community right now and you know but we were talking about just over you know esports being on a different trajectory and speed for overwatch because it's unprecedented well you know before you know you'd have some time for this and then you'd have some time for esports a little bit later now we have everything all jammed in at once and it might be a challenge that you know might require us to do something that's not you know as reddit you know, um, just you know, Reddit, uh, natural or, or purist Reddit, which is maybe make a mega thread, make it maybe make a daily, you know, thread that's just the clips and just list them all. Um, I mean, the thing is, once like the league starts, I feel like like once LCS kicked off for League of Legends, and obviously the League of Legends subreddit's a little bit different because Riot actually controls the subreddit. Yeah. Unless that's changed in the <laughs> oh, time gosh. that I stopped doing LCS. Oh man. Yeah. Um, it's okay, like, Jason. You're safe now. Yeah, you can speak. <laughs> you can speak. <laughs> no, like they actually, from unless it's changed from what I remember, they actually controlled the subreddit. They were telling the mods what to allow through yes. and not allow through and stuff like that. But once the league kicks off, and I think we see competitive stuff incorporated into the client, maybe you can watch you know the live league feed in the client stuff like that or link to it. Mm-hmm. I think the the more casual audience will be exposed more to esports and more likely to upvote esports related content. Like, like we had Taimu going off like crazy at Apex. Like that hit front of our, our Overwatch, not just competitive Overwatch, but our Overwatch because it's such a sick play, and people's got to see it, and it kind of meshed both worlds of let's look at this sick, you know, gift that I have, and then also as a pro player, I think when something like that comes along, whenever it comes along, it's gonna definitely help close this gap of the competitive lack of of the Overwatch subreddit. Uh, Jason, I'm going to zero in on one thing you mentioned there that I think is probably the most important by far compared to everything else for getting competitive engagement from your average casual player, which is simply you look at games like Dota, you look at games like CS, where what was really the big turning point? The big turning point was that 
when your average player could get in-game loot and rewards that were related to esports based on esport events, and they were actively encouraged to look at events as they went on and participate. Obviously, you don't want to go full CSGO in regards to where things like skin betting and all the rest went on. Blizzard will never go down that path. But you want something along the lines where people can watch a tournament and then maybe they get something like an esports loot box that has unique loot that relates to the teams that has really cool effects and all the rest. Once you bridge that gap, if you go down that path, I think suddenly you've now rewarded people in a very material way for getting involved in esports and you're creating a link for people to get involved. I think that would probably be the biggest deal across everything and would certainly bleed onto the Reddit as well as far as increasing uh community yeah. engagement overall i mean they tied those not only were there not only did they implement loot boxes and drops and things like that uh it was also in conjunction with the biggest tournament that had ever happened at right. the time it was like the double whammy of not not only this integration but also the biggest tournament uh, that the games had ever seen and it there there are graphs uh it's a little bit outdated by now but i used to tout this graph like every time i was pitching esports to a publisher or developer uh where csgo has a tournament a major tournament with in-game integration not only does viewership go massively through the roof roof for months afterwards but player base goes up and plateaus much higher than before the tournament. Another tournament happens. Same exact thing happens where the player base goes up and it doesn't drop. It plateaus much higher than beforehand. Uh, ZP, I think you're absolutely right. That is going to have a huge, huge impact on the entire community, including the main subreddit. And guys, I think it'll happen. I, I don't know. We're, we may never see the Overwatch subreddit uh, get to the point where it's exactly the same of LOL or CSGO right now. Uh but we're definitely going to see the big tournaments filter in there. Um, that actually, just for my own curiosity, I went ahead and took a look at these other subreddits. Currently on Counter-Strike Global Offensive or just Global Offensive, five out of the top ten posts are esports related. On our League of Legends, six out of the top ten posts are esports related. Um, whereas Overwatch, I don't think there's an esports post on the, on the front page it's, whatsoever. Yeah, um, but I think we'll get there and... Uh, you know, maybe we need to make this change that Monty's uh, suggesting. Maybe we can try it. I mean, I'm always down to try new things. Um, we, sh- you know, I highly encourage the subreddit moderators to to give it a shot and see how it goes and see how people like it. Do a vote. I mean, after, it, after it, doing it for a week, we'll have to see what happens here. But it's it's one of those things where I think, yeah, we we can obviously increase the esport um, interest and just have more people watching esports and obviously talking about esports. But a lot of these people uploading these clips, I mean, look at the numbers next to these things. I mean, we have to overcome those numbers in terms of discussing esports because these things are so habitual at this point. So it will take a behavioral change um, and. That's very hard to do well, just by by changing numbers of people watching and talking about it. And another argument that I saw Monty having with Nathaniel on Twitter, which was, if you guys haven't read it, it's actually really... I Grab some popcorn, I guess, is the best way to go about it. Um, Not that is, bad, jeez. <laughs> I liked it. Um, was Monty talking about the fact that there's not a lot of engagement in those posts? Right. In terms of comments, and maybe the self post or the you know the self post as a as a gif would help inspire more more conversation, more talking, and in general, kind of like help improve the the general floor of, of the of the subreddit. I guess that's one way he was looking to go with it as well. And you can look currently on on or Overwatch. Um, yeah, you have easy, like in the top five, you've got three hundred twenty eight comments, four hundred seventy six, one hundred four, thirty four, two hundred. 
like I mean, seen I mean, you've got, you've 2,800 got, uploads yeah. and 34 comments. Yeah, like that crazy. is a little odd, right? And that's, I think, this is the kind of stuff they don't want to see happen anymore or the, the stuff to see less of. But that's the kind of thing that's hard to break because, you know, these people are just going there just like, okay, it's time for my my 15 minutes of the day, you know, at the end of the day. It's like, okay, let's just get some entertainment, just real, you know, real quick fixes and let's just look at some funny things. And then they just do it. They don't want to talk about it. They just want to do it. And they, ah, I liked it. I didn't upload it. So we have to like overcome that. And that that's a challenge, like actually trying to change the behavior of that. And it takes time, you know. One good thing is we do see, a, you know, a post with Flames, <laughs> Flames uh, post earlier with all the, the 23 heroes. But again, that that's more to do with, I think, trying to educate casual, you know, just more, not necessarily in esports, uh, in esports demographic as much as more of the casual Overwatch demographic. So well, that goes back to how you view Reddit too, right? Like, should it be a democracy where if, you should be able to upload sure. or should you be able to limit what people can see mm-hmm. right like i don't know like, there's already filters within their subreddit isn't there to like filter out esports or filter yeah. out clips yeah you can like that. but people aren't gonna really oh man use that. I, I don't personally <laughs> use it i don't personally use it I, I gotta say right now i am withholding my stopping myself entirely but i could go full just political science nerding out about the concepts of democracy whether it's good <laughs> or not direct democracy versus representative yeah. how much direct power the people uh, you know, I'm just uh, stopping myself. I'm not even <laughs> letting myself get on that path. So I'm just. I'm, I'm all about being proactive, though. So Mani actually starting this petition is great. Uh, you know, so folks, go and sign it if you guys haven't seen it yet. Um, let's see. Let, let me, let me link it. it. Let, me, let me link it. Real Overwatch first. subreddit. I'll just link it. Gosh, I'm, I'm actually curious, here. though, about it. Like, the thousand signatures, if they, if they get it, they're currently at 852. Are the mods of our Overwatch actually going to listen? Like, do they care about a thousand signatures? Like, I, it, well, like, is there some sort of agreement between like this and the mods of our Overwatch to like say, hey, if we get a certain amount of, um, you know, signatures, will you guys listen to this? Will they listen to it? Like, I, I don't, I don't know. So let me say this just uh, first and foremost is that the mods of our Overwatch are definitely very good people, mm-hmm, and they yeah. have gone out of the way to help things like uh, competitive stuff in recent times. I do think that this particular issue, the way that Monty's letter is worded, for some will definitely get into some very philosophical issues about how reddit should be run there are a lot of the people that are mods on reddit they have a mm-hmm. long history with reddit they have very i big ideals for you know do you run reddit do you try and shape discussion or do you let everything be free that what reddit means to certain people can really vary from person to person so it would absolutely be a bit of a debate yeah absolutely and it's a tough job, these moderators, guys. I mean, they don't get paid to do this stuff. You know, they're all volunteers. And again, I think the, the our Overwatch um, mods have been, you know, great so far. And we'll see what happens after this. All right, well, let's move on. Uh, we've got a couple other things here. I mean, we haven't gotten to events yet, but we do have a balance change that we didn't even get a chance to talk about. Usually that, like, is a lot of our show, but today it was an exception. Uh, we actually had a PTR update that talks about Roadhog in Winston. So a, a couple changes here. Let me show it to you guys. And, uh, so making Roadhog more aim-reliant, yeah. and they're making Winston just uh, survivability changes right. with him with the headshot hitbox. So Roadhog, Scrap Gun, Spread decreased 20%. Chain, Hook, targets are now pulled to a location 3.5 meters away instead of like super close with the 2 meters away. Uh, and then the cooldown increases from 6 to 8 for the Chain Hook. And then with Winston, we got critical hit volume reduced by 15%. So I think the, the Roadhog change is massive, actually. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Like with the, with the current Roadhog, 
ignoring the hook just between his left click and right click there's like this dead zone you can play around in that he really can't kill you unless he's in your face which is like against like i don't know i'm gonna try to do it with my hands and it's gonna look really stupid but like there's this range here and then there's this there's this gap between the range of his left click and right click and like within this range you can play around in it with having no real threat of dying like especially if you're like a tracer but now with the spread decrease on his left click means he's a lot more potent in that dead range which makes it a lot harder to dance around a roadhog yeah the hook cooldown's a little bit longer but he's a lot more powerful now with his left click i will note though that like it, it on face value you're like oh two seconds it's a little bit that in this time span of overwatch those two seconds there's going to be a lot of roadhogs dying oh yeah in those two <laughs> seconds that are going Absolutely. oh my hook was just about up no patch change and that's just going to be the feeling of every roadhog going in here which by the way good roadhog has been just <laughs> on the op side for a long time so i will just drink up all those bacon flavored roadhog tears that have that will no doubt be coming forward if, here if assuming gonna... that it does end up being a nerf like it's a case where maybe it turns out the 20 percent spread is so incredibly uh good that people are like oh he's actually better but in theory it's supposed to be a nerf and in practice, I, I don't it probably agree. I, I mean, we'll I, I think it raises the skill ceiling of Roadhog, actually. The fact that your cooks on a longer cooldown means you have to be more accurate. And also the people yeah. who can aim better with Roadhog will actually do yeah. better in general. I think it's actually like a, a, it raises the ceiling quite a bit for them, like for Roadhog players. Uh, I mean, yeah. it raises the ceiling, but you're also creating gaps in time where you don't have to worry about a hook shutting down major events. Like, for example, if you are a Genji looking to do a Dragon Blade, for example, you have to be really aware of Roadhog having hook up when you go in. If his hook is now an eight second cooldown and you know he just used it, you have a much bigger window of time to go in there. Sure, Roadhog yeah. might be able to do more damage, and the skill ceiling is certainly raised by the fact that his primary is more effective. No doubt there. But... The timings for going in on a Roadhog after he misses a hook are going to be much greater in actuality. Ben, that's... I, I think this is a great change. Absolutely. Uh, we've been calling for a longer cooldown on his hook for so long. <laughs> I, it's, it's a, it was a really big surprise to me that this wasn't one of the things that they tried earlier on in the balancing process for Roadhog. I mean, we just got to hook 2.0, which didn't really nerf hook all that much, if at all. Uh, so, First of all, longer cooldown. I think everybody's happy about this. Like even hog mains have to be like, okay, this is deserved. Um, second of all, decreasing the spread, I think, is also great for the exact reason that Jason brought up. I think anything that makes characters feel more skill-based allows more opportunities for, for skillful plays is appreciated. Uh, the only concern there is that like, I saw some of the clips. I don't know if you guys saw this. Somebody was doing testing with the different ranges. Yeah, you can you can legitimately one shot tracers at like at ranges that seem pretty significantly far away. So the only concern with this change in the spread is that maybe it makes it so like you can't even get close to Roadhog anymore. Like even if you're like Roadhog has like this death range, uh, you know, you can either get hooked or you can come into his death range and just like instantly get one shotted. Uh, Hard to say if that's going to be the case until we get a little bit more experience with it. But in concept, I love both of these changes 100%. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm really excited to see them implemented. Yeah, me too. If it wasn't going to be the range, it had to be the cooldown for me with the chain hook. Those are the two problematic things I had with, with the hook. So definitely good to see well, it. Even, even the hook's nerfed quite a bit. And uh, mm -hmm. someone in chat pointed out, let me figure it is. I think it was 
Hanget Suutai? I can't read his name. Why would you yeah, read so out what, the name? What, why that would you say, even? Like, yeah. someone, just say like, <laughs> and, and from a viewer in the chat, they said this. Not <laughs> I want to give him credit. I want to give him credit. You know, you are punishing yourself, Jason. Zarya's shield is eight second cooldown for a teammate, and now his hooks eight second cooldown. So you can, in theory, block all of Roadhog's hooks for insta kills. And so also, Diva's gonna have a much easier time absorbing. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Dots after the hook. Okay, let, let's talk about Winston. So maybe they're making him. Maybe they're making him less of like a, an instant kill potential and more of like a steady damage dealer with the twenty percent spread decrease, and then change his hook around a little bit. Well, I mean, something that's always heard for Winston, for example, is you go in on, say, a Reaper, and the Reaper just vaguely is looking at your head, and before you know it, <laughs> you have lost all of your HP. Like, it's done. It's too late. Reaper's already seen everything. So, yeah, I, that definitely helps a bit in Winston's survivability. Uh, we'll see. I mean, honestly, it's one of those changes where it, it's deceptively good, where you're not necessarily going to see tons of Winston play in reaction to it, but people might mix in more Winston and go, hmm. This is more effective than I was expecting. I'm going to run more Winston, and it could lead to upticks in him being played more. So we'll Dude, just have to see. With, with the dive comps, like I was just doing a couple scrims today. Like if you play against a Winston who's like not terrible, holy crap, he's still hard to kill even even without the change to his crit uh, headshot volume. So like he's going to be so much stronger now, and like his own survivability. Like we really can't underestimate that, and make him that much harder to kill with dive comps. Yeah. So yeah, when the Winston change is is more of I mean it's it's definitely more of a mi minor change at least in terms of uh, it's just the size of basically what a headshot is for for Winston because his his uh, model his body model was very large <laughs> at least his head was very very large and um, you know I don't know how they do that I mean did they just do they just change I mean they didn't actually change the art right or the graphics of, of his head no, just the headshot oh, box head box just the head box yeah. right okay it's just we a matter actually of made I know <laughs> exactly I'm just like okay but he the headbox is head now. <laughs> Winston had too much brain matter before oh, we're just dialing it down a bit <laughs> a hyper intelligent gorilla was not really that you know it wasn't believable I mean, in the future world of Overwatch so we just had to tamp that down a bit I mean you know what they say about Winston mains uh, oh, I'm so excited for this because uh, Winston, I think Winston's totally viable. I mean, he to Winston is totally viable in this current meta. If you're running a dive comp, he works. Uh, yeah. He is still weak, though, to specifically Roadhog and Reaper. And yes, he's got a massive hit model. Shotguns, every pellet's going to hit no matter what. But if less pellets are hitting his face... That means he's going to survive so much longer. Um, I actually play a fair amount of Winston on my ult, a little bit on the main as well. And getting hooked by a hog, if you if you have like less than like eighty percent of your HP or like maybe eighty five percent of HP, a single uh, a single hook is dead. It means you're dead. Uh, so if this means that like you can get hooked at seventy percent HP and still survive, I, we need to do some testing to see what it's going to be. This is actually a massive change for for uh, for Winston. Looking forward yeah. to it. Well, one thing I'd like to see with Winston, by the way, and this is something that's been theory crafted for a long time, particularly back in the day we saw more Widow, which I do think we're going to be seeing more of, and that's probably a good segue into a future topic that we're getting onto in just a little bit. But I, I still think for Winston, 
the head hitbox going lower is great, but there's also cases where Winston players, particularly on leaping in, could do themselves a world of good by just, uh, you know, butt jump your way in there. You yeah. leap, As you're leaping in, turn your head the other way. The Widowmaker has nothing she can hit there. There's no head. It's all Winston <laughs> butt from there on out. It, but it, it sounds funny, but it's totally something that, that players can be doing. Went to his ass. That they haven't done. Uh, <laughs> That would be incredible if you did extra damage by like ass jumping into them. <laughs> oh my god! You can rotate your body as you're jumping, like 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 swerve your your or tilt your body. That'd be. What hilarious. do you think his jetpack is? We're, we're gonna call it's him not, up the it's not a machine on his back. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, peanut butter man. doesn't agree with the stomach. So uh, Apex. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. Apex? Let's Sorry. talk about events. After talking about Winston's butt here. Um, yeah. So Apex, obviously being the big event that's been going on, and uh, yeah, lots of games to talk about. But I figured we would maybe highlight just some of the um, Western teams since it's been a full week since we actually seen them play. So Envy, just almost exactly a week ago, you know, played BK Stars, ended up beating them three one. You know, it's pretty. They handled them pretty uh, pretty well there. Um, the only comment I, I made, or at least I, I, I noted here, was that it was great getting a chance to see Taimu playing Widow again, because it, it's been a long time since we've actually seen him, you know, not just like pop him in for a second, you know, and then just, just switch immediately, but actually play him for a good amount of, of a certain stage. And, you know, we actually saw highlights, right? People were, that was one of the clips that, that made, <laughs> that actually made the front page of our Overwatch was that, that Taimu, um, you know, the, the snipe that he had there. So, uh, yeah, I wanted to bring this up, and I, I did want to bring him up like a, a, an opinion I had too, which is I feel like when Overwatch League launches, it would be really good or maybe even very important if if Widow was in the meta again and we were able to see, you know, some of that spectating because, you know, it, it is analogous to some other esports like CSGO, you know, with sniping in the AWP and, and it's, it's very accessible from that standpoint. I want to see well, what you guys just think um, of just the NV itself and then we can talk about the timing thing. So how, do you, how did... Envy look first. I'm going to say that Envy right now, they've been winning, but I don't know if it's really a case where, oh man, Envy's looking strong. Envy still is making a lot of not great uh, mistakes that have been going on in terms of particularly things regarding their alt management, things regarding to how they set up team fights. They get, they got away with, uh, they get away regularly things like say, Taimu going on Widow. That's great. Taimu was able to just will the game to his favor. But the reality is that Envy needs to be focusing on winning games on all fronts, not just going, hey, time is on Widow. It's working out. Uh, and this has been a longstanding issue with Envy, too. This is not particularly new. I know just from listening in on scrims with Envy back in the day and all the rest that Envy does not keep track of the alt game anywhere near as well as some of the Korean teams are right now. And it's not if it's going to catch up with Envy, it's when. Okay. At the same time, we also saw some incredible coordination out of Envy. Another extremely memorable clip from that match was uh, the flashbang into Roadhog hook oh, combo, yes. yeah. uh, which by itself is like pretty simple, right? But uh, McCree flashbang stun window is is like half a second at best. So Envious is one of the very few teams in existence right now that is able to hit these kinds of, of coordinated combos where you throw a flashbang over a Rhine shield and in that split second, there comes the Roadhog hook. Like not a lot of teams can do this. So uh, rough around the edges, maybe ZP, but they still have coordination unlike any other team. 
I don't know. I mean, it's deceptive. There's mechanical coordination and then there's actual strategic and tactical coordination. It's a case where that particular combo that you're talking about, that's easier to set up than you might think in the sense that if you know you're going for that, you see that your McCree is going to be a little bit more aggressive going in. And from the Roadhog perspective, you can key in on that and hook that in. That's a completely different skill set than actually going, here's how we're doing the alt game. We're going to try and win this fight. We're not going to try and win this next fight. And yeah, Envy can do... My like mechanical plays like that really well. I'm not convinced that they've up their actual overall broad spectrum view of the game to where it needs to be going into in the future. Let's be fair to Envious though. Have they been challenged to the point where they need to work on that necessarily right now? Yeah, because they are doing some insane work. Like I, I agree. Like maybe they're they're a little bit weak in that situation, but they haven't really been pushed or tested to the point that they have to work on that situation. I mean, yeah, it can be sad to see that you as a team you should be working on those small things and increase your um dominance over other teams but at the same time when you're when you've been the top dog for so long it's hard to keep having the momentum or not the momentum the desire to push yourselves even further when you're already still beating all these teams it's a natural behavior right like when you're at the top you kind of rest on your laurels and yeah you you don't you don't feel the need to actually uh, continue progressing until somebody you know puts you in that situation i mean we should point out that envy's first match in in apex they narrowly won three two this match, it's not like it was a clean sweep against BK Stars. It, it was 3-1, and uh, BK Stars not exactly like one of the absolute best teams in Korea. So they've still got a lot of a lot of proving left to do in this okay, tournament well, specifically. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call you on the first one because when they played that first match, they hadn't scrimmed in a month because people were sick, people were home, yeah, and then they yeah. all just came back together and played like for a couple days. So the first one, I won't give you that one, but the second one I can definitely agree with, a 3-1 win over a team that necessarily isn't like a top team. We are getting to the very end of the show and there's still a lot to discuss, but <laughs> yeah. I wanted to get your guys take Harry hook played a ton of Reaper in that set. What, what is Reaper viable now again? Well, or? well, I mean, that goes back to MLG Vegas, right? Where yeah. Re- envy was really the only team to come out and play a lot of Reaper there. I mean, this is nothing new for envy that they've been mixing in Reaper more frequently. They're one of the teams that said, you know, what, he's still useful even back when everyone had abandoned it. And it just, more the same there. So yeah, I think Reaper is useful if mixed in under the right circumstances. Harry Hook's been proving that for months now. I think people just forget as well how strong certain heroes can be and forget how to play against them to counter them. I, I guess to be a big factor. Like <laughs> I see so many mercies in comp play now that are actually winning games because people forgot how to hunt a mercy. I've ever heard from Resin. Right. They just kind of sit back and hide behind a Reinhardt shield. But yeah, hey, if you can make Reaper work, mm-hmm. then that just makes it that much more deadly as a team, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Moving on, uh, Misfits. Uh, they they actually played too, and they they handled AF Red three zero. And you know, we definitely saw some tweets from Tavik, and it's starting to look like the Misfits team is starting to get things together. I'm not sure if we you can totally discern that from one big match here, but what do you, what do you guys think? Thank God. <laughs> Thank God. I, I, I mean, I'm just like such a okay. huge fan on a personal players. There are really Thanks. really some special talents on that team, so I'm. Excited to see them do well. I actually haven't had a chance to catch this game yet, though, so I don't know if you guys watched it or not. I have not watched it uh, yet either. I'm a little bit behind in some of the more recent Apex happenings just because of getting ready to move to, Den- or move to Denver for the upcoming series and all the rest. So for me, there's certain things I need to catch up on. Like, I have not had time to deep dive on the C9 match that happened last night. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, it's certainly a case where it's good to see the Western teams having a degree of success. I do think that the top Korean teams right now have been doing incredibly well. So 
don't know. We'll, we'll see where things go, especially as we get later on into the tournament and in the playoff time. And bear in mind, too, is that there is always a wild card here and looking at teams and the relative strengths of that. Obviously, we have patches that are coming out with a new patch that we we're just talking about where we're not always getting changed. All these things have big effects on the teams of the tournament thus far. I mean, you could go back to Apex Season 1 where you could make a very strong argument that it was the patch that came out in the middle of the tournament that let Envy actually go forward and do as well as they did by bringing in Mickey in what turned out to be a very diva-centric meta. So, yeah, love to see. All right, this this brings me to something that yep. we also need to really talk about here because this is actually very important for Apex and the future of Apex. Okay, so Group B. Group A, that's pretty much, that's that's 100% determined. It's going to be uh, Meta Athena and Envious moving on. There's no way they can be knocked out of the top two slots. Group B, this is where things start to get interesting, right? Lunatic High is 2-0. Misfits is 1-1. Lunatic, or Lunatic, Luxury Watch Blue is 1-1. And AF Red is 0-2. So AF Red plays against Luxury Watch Blue next, which you can pretty much say Luxury Watch Blue will win and put them at 2-1. And Misfits have to play against Lunatic High. If Misfits don't beat Lunatic High, they're out. They're not going to qualify for the playoffs. If they do beat Lunatic High, we're probably going to have three teams now at a 2-1. And there has to be like some sort of potential tiebreaker set up for that. Ooh. Uh, and and Reinforce had a post about it uh, wow. that if, if you're tied, they're actually going to go by map score. So, so I don't even know how that well, one actually breaks down wow. between the two Yeah, teams. I mean, I don't think they have a list. They don't have yeah. a listed here at all, right? So, um, okay. Actually, wow. yeah. So at the mo- yeah, yeah. So at yeah. the moment, Misfits are tied with Luxury Watch uh, Blue, actually, from what I can tell. But anyways, that, that's just Group B. But Group C, you've got Cloud9 there trying to fight for the chance. So Cloud9... Okay, so Cloud9 mm-hmm. um, is currently third in the group at 1-1. Um, Kongdu Uncia is ranked 1-2-0. AF Blue is 1-1. Cloud9, like I said. Cl- and then Kombok Spirit is 0-2. Cloud9 have to play against Kung, uh, Kongdu Uncia, which is going to be an insanely tough ask for them to beat that team. They have, obviously, a lot of time to do it because February 28th is when the match should actually be played. But if they don't beat Kongdu Uncia, they can basically say goodbye as well to getting through the playoffs because AF Blue will most likely beat Kongbok Spirit. Uh, putting them at 2-1. And now Cloud9 has to get 2-1. And then Kongdu Uncia has to lose that match to be 2-1. And again, have a three-way tie where it comes down to map score. Group D, Fnatic just played uh, Flash Lux today, um, where both teams hadn't picked up a single victory and put themselves at 1-1. Problem is, Kongdu Panthera is already through. And now Fnatic has to play against the Runaways to have a chance to potentially get through. But from what I'm already seeing, according to... Actually, no, it's not locked in yet. So if they beat Runaways, there's still a chance for That's, them to qualify. If they yeah. lose, they're probably going to be out. And it's um, only okay. It's actually, no, yeah. If right? they if they beat Runaways, because Kongdu Panther will probably beat Flash Lux, Kongdu Panther will be 3-0, and then Runaways, uh, Runaway and Fennec are 1-1. So the winner of that match will be going through. So they have to beat Runaway to actually get through into the into the quarterfinals or the playoffs. And right now, it looks like the only team that's going to be able to do it is from the Western world is Envious. The one great thing about formats like this too, by the way, is just the storylines that we have right here where it's, I think one of the cooler things in uh, sports and certainly esports where you get into a situation like this is the idea that teams are not in control of their own destiny where it's going, we're late in the season. You've had losses that you should have had earlier on. And now you not only have to win out, but then you have to need help from there to actually get in. It adds a lot more attention to the matches because it means that maybe you don't care about two teams that otherwise uh, you wouldn't watch but because that's playoff implications for your favorite team, you actually really care about that matchup. So it's a cool thing. Yeah. And three of the four North American and and European and Western teams in apex right now are like on the bubble. 
every one of them needs to win their next match to even have a chance. So, so tune in, <laughs> definitely yeah, tune in. A lot to, to watch. To, uh, yeah, OG and Apex, then the coming weeks here. But the Cloud9, I didn't get a chance to watch this morning, but then I think you were watching it earlier, right? Yeah, yeah, I was watching it this morning, uh, just some of the recap. And uh, Cloud9 was playing a, a bit of triple DPS on defense, and I was surprised to actually <laughs> see some gods on Genji, which is not something he's usually been known for. Um, but yeah, unfortunately for Cloud9, they did end up going out uh, with a couple of a couple of missteps. They uh, actually, I think there was some lack of coordination or communication. They all jumped off the point. There was a diva bomb, but they all jumped off the point when one of them could have stayed on, and they ended up losing that way, which is pretty pretty unfortunate for them. And yeah, they're just in this terrible situation now where they're gonna have to beat Kongunsia to win or to get through this group. Otherwise, they're just they're out. No chance. Yeah, I mean, just look at and Uncia. They they could still be out. Well, just yeah, look at could still be the, out. <laughs> wait, wait, sorry, sorry, CP. Before before you get to that, because the thing is, they have to beat Kongdu Uncia with a better map score than AF Blue beating uh, Kombok Spirit. Yep. So they have to beat like the best team, one of the best teams in the entire tournament, with a better map score than AF Blue against Kombok Spirit, which is probably one of the worst teams in. Well, what's the, the tiebreaker so of the really map? Hard. What's the tiebreaker if the map score is tied? It's not. I think the they score within play, the maps. They play, is it? Like, no, I think they play another uh, game. Okay, they just we play we, a tiebreaker. Can we get okay. to some NFL level, just third and fourth sure. order tiebreakers that are just absolutely ridiculous? <laughs> Super, but but yeah, I mean for C nine from what I didn't I haven't watched that full series uh, that was going on uh, earlier today, but it does seem like as far as it goes that the series that they lost was basically must win for them to stay alive, and they didn't win it. But one thing I did want to touch on, uh, Fishstick, since you brought up, is that. I do think going forward into the future for C9, and I have seen a bit of uh, God swap, swapping off now to more projectile DPS. The fact that he's able to have success on it is clearly making it more of his own to a degree that you don't usually see from a hit scan player going the projectile. Not only would it put gods in a class that's up there with Shavord to, or Shurfor and Tavik if he's able to complete that transformation, but it would give C9 unparalleled versatility if they were able to harness that and finally lock down some of the roles because historically something that c9 has had a real problem with is that they don't know who they want to play or who plays what i mean there's been so many situations in recent memory where you have cases where oh sometimes we're gonna put mendo in the mccree sometimes we're gonna put sure in the mccree and it's not a case where they're playing different heroes as a result they're literally just swapping off between what they play and c9 needs to hammer that down a little bit but if gods can be a versatile player and go into that mix with Mendo and Shurfor, in theory, it gives C9 a lot of options going forward. Are, are you comfortable saying unparalleled, though, when you have misfits who can do so many different hero swaps as well? I mean, it's I between the two. I mean, uh, we, we saw uh, Cloud9 switch things up constantly yesterday. In, this, in, in a single cool. round of attack on a single map, you'd see them switch things up several times, which I think makes them one of the more fun and dynamic teams to watch. And the same thing could be said for Misfits, um, you know, as most of those guys can play like at a really high level, can play eight or nine different heroes. It's, it's pretty nuts. I love okay. watching teams like this. Yeah, I mean, it's the future, right? I mean, we're, we're going to see that eventually. It just needs to be refined <laughs> to a point where they can do it at a very, very high level and organized. All right, well, um, I mean, we're kind of running over now, so uh, we're going to have to 
probably save some of these questions that we've gotten through email for next week. But I promise next week we will definitely get to the email questions. So keep them coming at the overview at chamanview.tv and we'll definitely uh, get to them next week. But uh, why don't we wrap up? ZP, fantastic as always. Uh, thanks for coming on, joining us. But do you want to do any, any shout outs at this point? Anything or uh, anything you want to plug or where can people find you? Uh, you can follow me Twitter at TempoZP. Definitely want to plug the Carbon series that is coming up. That is starting next Monday. It is going to be awesome. It's going to be me and Hexa taking it away there. Definitely check it out. Shout out to Hexagrams too. Follow him at Hexagrams. He's been lurking in chat and figure I'd give him a shout out there because he is also furiously packing because he has a flight that's leaving tomorrow. I'm actually driving down to Denver because I bring my entire streaming setup and all the rest. So I have like a 12-hour drive ahead of me. But wow. either way, uh, and shout out to you guys for uh, having me on. Are you in a studio, by the way, for Carver Masters? I wanted to ask that earlier, but yes. I, I kind of forgot. Okay, yeah, so they, they have their own setup. Mm-hmm. So they, you're you're in Denver, Colorado, for the next month? six weeks. Five weeks. Uh, yeah, six weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, six weeks, effectively. So uh, cool. yeah, it's gonna be fun. I mean, Denver's a great city, and the, everything I've seen about the studio and the setup that they have there looks really exciting. I think people are really gonna like how the formatted things. And there's definitely things I know. I mean, Hex are gonna try on a casting perspective to really try and push things even higher. So okay. it's gonna be fun. And plus, on that point, uh, on the casting note, I mean, Hex are gonna be roommates for uh, those five weeks. So it's sort of a caster team house in a sense as well. So fun times. Should give a. Do you guys have observers too? Sorry, I, pr- I should have asked this way earlier, but I completely <laughs> forgot. Do you guys have observers for it? or? So Carbon has their own team of observers that they yeah. thought had potential going on from the last tournament that they want to refine and go forward going uh, going in. Because the problem is for the entire setup is that uh, if you want to bring in, say, some of the Overwatch World Cup observers and all the rest, right? You still have to pay for them to live out there for five weeks because it's not something you can just come in for a weekend. So this is a case where they're going with uh, local people there, but generally the thoughts of that things will go pretty well. So we'll have to see how that goes. I know observer wise, every caster has their preferences for what they want to see. And me and Hex will be talking with them and, you know, just going out of the way to put in the best product possible. Well, yeah. It's more about like freeing you up to cast. Cause we just did what is somebody winner like two weekends ago and having <laughs> to observe, produce and cast for me was not easy. Yo, Jason, I like your observing, man. No yeah. joke. I All liked right. it. Thanks. That was right. good. Ask hey, him for his number. Wow. Yeah, I could be, uh, okay. Be cool. Yeah, definitely. You have a career ahead of you. you can, if you're not getting casting jobs, Jason. Observer, man, that's the way to go. Uh, you know, another shout out to Gil Frost. We didn't even talk about Gil Frost in terms of the casting, you know, for Carbon. So he's going to be joining ZPN Hexagram too. It's not just going to be you two. Uh, and Gil Frost is one of their casters, I believe. Did he cast in the last, their previous event? I forget if they did. I, I believe he did. Yep. Okay, yeah. So he's going to be one of those those casters. That'll be nice. Um, uh, but going over, Jason, shout outs. Uh, Chairman from the show, ZP for joining us, ZP and Hex for bailing me out last weekend um, for a Sunday winner. Uh, and then the rest to this one's I always do parents for let me do what I do or for uh, giving the opportunity to do it ESL for hiring me initially and give me a chance to be a caster uh, and Ben thanks shout out to you for complimenting my observing appreciate it and good <laughs> luck to you next weekend or this weekend this weekend yeah. uh, Ben shout outs uh, check out the TESPA Collegiate Series finals this weekend uh, $100,000 in prizing and scholarships for the top teams qualified uh, from 
west, north, south, and east. Uh, so, yeah, we got all the divisions of the U.S. represented. Should be pretty fun stuff, and there will be, you know, it's a it's a live event, so it's going to be in San Diego. If you're in the region, it's going to be free to attend. Uh, make sure you do tune in, though. It's Team Tespa, twitch.tv slash Team Tespa. It's going to be on Sunday, excuse me. Uh, it's a one-and-done thing. It's just, just Sunday. Everything's taking place. Uh, it's going to be four best of fives. Five best of fives, I guess on sunday um so yeah make sure to tune into that and looking forward to carbon masters next week yeah. it's gonna be good awesome and i'll round things out thanking the three of you guys for doing the show zp jason and ben it's always a pleasure super fun i think today's episode was excellent given that how many topics we had and we just nailed them all and thanks to everybody for watching obviously all the folks for listening and my last shout out i just want to give a shout out to my wife given that it's a, it's a valentine's day and i never do it and you know wouldn't be able to do this this life of making content in these shows without you know her support and, and everything so just want to do that every at least i have to do it every once in a while so i, I got that inspiration from you jason just thanking your parents i, I kind of imagine so. she's like on the other side of your setup right now just she's, staring she's at not. you like <laughs> she's give me not. my shout out right <laughs> <No>. now <laughs> He actually left the house in disgust because of this entire issue. <laughs> oh, whatever. Uh, but if any of you guys missed the beginning of the episode, you can check out the VODs on YouTube at youtube.com slash chainmanv. And uh, follow the, the Twitter account, too, for the show, which is at the overview GG. Uh, but that's going to be it, guys, for the overview this week. So for uh, ZP, Jason Kaplan, Fish Sticks, and myself, Chainmanv, we'll see you next week. Later. Later.